0: Dental.com this is the last minute blues podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango and former blues defenseman, Jamie rivers. It is the last minute blues podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton from 105, Seven the point and former blue uh, Jamie rivers. Also our teammate at one Oh one ESPN. Uh Gentlemen, uh, I absolutely did not expect to be having this conversation with you guys today. I, I very much didn't. I, I and uh, I wasn't trying to underestimate Vancouver. I just very much at the very least thought that we would win on Friday and push it to a game maybe seven. Maybe
1: it's maybe it's not an underestimate, Vancouver. Maybe you overestimated the Blues. Maybe that's what it was.
0: I, I think it. I, I think maybe that's the case.
2: Oh, sorry. I thought Jeff's mic was off. I'm not picking him uh, up at all. Hello. Yeah, See, I'm not picking him up at all. That's all right. I'm not saying anything. All important. right. It's you, fine. I think you know that. This is kind of the way it works. <laughs> last minute blues podcast, folks. Once again, last minute. Now, uh, look, I didn't expect it either. But when I, I guess what bothers me the most about this series is that yes, credit to Vancouver for playing well and capitalizing on their opportunities, but. In no way, shape, or form do I feel like Vancouver won that series. I feel like the Blues gifted them that mm, series.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Nobody and, in this room or
1: nobody that's a fan of the Blues thought that Vancouver could beat the Blues in a seven-game series
2: with what we had. No, it's it tough. Out that way. It's tough. And to, for it to go down the way it did in the last game, you know, that just stinks. You, know, you come back with Jordan Bennington. And, look, I hate this offseason for him because – You don't it's one thing to lose, but it's another thing to be the guy that goes in there, didn't have a great playoffs, round robin, slash, restart, whatever you want to call it, and then get pulled in the last game that you play. So now you're walking off into the sunset. You know, like you talk about just polar opposite situations. Last year at this time he's walking off in the sunset with a Stanley Cup over his shoulder. This year, he's walking off, being pulled out of his last game, having an 800 save percentage.
1: And it also sucks because those uh, announcers that don't follow the Blues, don't do their research before the game next year, will say, (laughs) sophomore slump, obviously, for him. No, before the shutdown, dude was pretty damn good.
2: Yeah, the shutdown's the enemy of certain teams here right now. And the more I dive into it, the more I've talked to players around the league that were part of it and that are now back home from other NHL teams that live here in St. Louis, St. Louis Blues players that got back over the weekend. It just was a really, really tough situation. And the teams that will thrive in this are the teams that are able to dial it in the most and at this point the quickest, right? Some of these teams looked incredible coming out of the restart it's just I don't want to say it's luck because it's not but it it kind of is right like as if the three of us come back out of a restart there might be one of us that after that was not motivated maybe didn't work out as hard maybe didn't expect to actually finish this season maybe you're still unsure about situations maybe you miss your family whatever it is so if you have one person one entity that's not all in and it's not because they're a bad guy or you know not a good hockey player just that's a that's a mental health type of thing. Can know? I?
0: I want to ask this question, and I it's going to come off dickish, but that's the farthest from what I mean. Is and I think I I think I know the answer to this, but is the the players not being able to see their families for that long of a time that has really got to be I would think a huge huge thing on almost every one of those dudes. Like you get to a point in your life where you're like, man, you seeing your kids and seeing your wife kind of. Helps the whole thing go. So I would assume that that really has to be a big problem with maybe the only problem with the bubble situation.
2: Well, look, there's a lot, right? Like you, the bubble, everybody, I don't know what your, you know, the picture in your head is of the bubble, but it's not fancy, guys. It's a fenced in compound, basically, is what it is. And you have a few amenities, a couple of pop up restaurants, you have a team room. But, like, that's it. Right. Like, there's nothing else. These guys didn't leave for anything. And it's weird. You're seeing the other teams, like, all over the place and the other coaches. You're missing your family for sure. That's, there's no doubt. I think the combination of all of it was probably a lot for some guys to digest and process. And it's not what you're used to. And yeah, they pump in the crowd noise. Some teams thrive on that energy. Yeah, so I was
1: going to say, this was the same conditions for everybody, so you're just saying the Blues just didn't handle it as well?
2: They're just a different type of team, right? Like, they they really, really pull off the crowd. Whether the crowd loves them or hates them, they pull off of that, and they play a very emotional kind of game, especially when they're on their forecheck and they're pounding teams into the boards and all that stuff. It's really hard to get the fake noise. And Actually, I shouldn't even say that it's really hard because I don't know. I'm just assuming. I've been in training camps where you're out there trying to make the team and you're playing as hard as you can, and it's a weird feeling to not have anybody really watching. Right. So I'm sure there's a lot that went into this that was eye-opening to some guys, and I just don't think they adjusted fast enough. And then even once some of the team did or half of the team or three-quarters of the team, the other half just were too far behind at that point. And I think you could see that. You had some guys that were playing – you know, playoff hockey and other guys that were playing training camp kind of hockey, and it was just like, to me, the 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 difference from the top to the bottom really created unbalance with that team.
0: Boy, it just seems like the defensemen, especially, were doing things and making mistakes that seemingly they don't make a lot. Mm-hmm. And there was a couple of, of of times that I thought, and obviously it's it's a we wish, but like. Man, I just wish we had Steady Eddie J. Bomeister back there, man. Like, like, just doing the role that he does so well. And I think maybe I underestimated how big of a miss or... or, or or a missing piece that he was all told, seven guys from that team that won are not a part of this team or, or not, we're not on the ice. That is a freaking ton of and turnover. It,
1: that is really big, especially because all season long, we were touting the fact that everybody except for Maroon came back. And this is the same group of guys. We all said they, I remember you saying that many, many times. Then all of a sudden you get in this situation mentally, like you were talking about. And then physically you don't have
2: all those same players. That sounds like disaster. Well, you're missing two huge parts of it here, uh, guys, not you guys. The blues are is to your point, Jay Bomeester. Yeah. He's a calming influence. He is like the the grandfather on the team. He's played forever. He plays twenty minutes a game. He settles down Pareco. He settles down the penalty kill. His demeanor in the locker room is just so calm. Like, guys, don't worry. I know there's fire all around us. We're gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. Just Breathe. He
0: looks like that. Dude, he is geez, yeah. so he, right?
2: <laughs> like subdued. You'd think someone hit him with a blow dart. Not just right. <laughs> like seriously. And you know what they missed? This is one thing that I, I, I find it interesting. Is for all the complaining and all the critics out there of Alexander Steen, they really missed him. Mm-hmm. They missed his presence out there. And I'm not talking like scoring goals and. The, his leadership and what he brings to the ice and how he can balance teams mentally and they missed that. They missed a lot. And I just feel like some guys were trying to play catch up just too much and their tired bodies led to tired brains. And you could see that when there's simple, simple plays like Vince Dunn, this guy is an incredible talent. Mm-hmm. Okay. It wasn't working, and you know what? I know they haven't come out and said it, but we all know he had COVID, okay? Like, we all know he had COVID. He was unfit to play for 10 days. Well, geez, I don't know. Tell me what's 10 days, you know. Yeah. We all know what went on Got there. Her. So what are the after effects, right? And I'm not talking medically here, and I'm not trying to dive into that. What I'm saying is— The trickle down to the team, how that affected him Yeah And he, is, he was physically behind, and he was tired, and when he was tired, he made simple passes look really hard. And he he made plays that were wide open, and he just ignored them and passed the puck into traffic. And it just didn't seem like he ever kind of got going. But what do he do, take him out of the lineup? Right. He has the ability to carry the puck out of the zone every time on his own. So I just think the Blues got into a situation where they were damned if they do, damned if they don't, with some of the lineup stuff. And Craig Berube could only do – so many things to tweak it and he tried. He tried a lot of different combinations and some of it worked and ultimately at the end it just didn't work enough.
1: What would you give him, the coach a grade on these playoffs? What would your grade for him be?
0: Um that's re- that's gotta be really tough. You know what I mean? Because if yeah, just I'm all him. of the flipping factors yeah, right, 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 were me. No, not <laughs> just I don't throw me right under the yeah, bus. Yeah. What a <laughs> dick. <date. laughs> Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, knowing I'm going to see Chief like tomorrow at the right. ring. So A plus plus, cave side of my face and 107 um, sure. No, listen, I think the coaching stuff. Here's what I'll say: I don't know about grades because obviously you have to give them an F. They didn't win, right? right? So that's they got but, bounced
0: in the first. They got round. bounced yeah.
2: in the first in the first round, and the players get the same grade because when you lose, you just it's a fail. Now to expand on that a little bit, I think the only. Thing that I would imagine Craig Berube would like to change is how they approached the pause as a team and then how they approached the round robin as a team. And Like
1: I, maybe those games counted, those games meant a little more than they, they let on?
2: Yes. Okay. They, the intensity wasn't there, and we talked to a lot of the players leading up to coming out of the pause in the first week of phase one, what all that stuff is. And there were guys that still didn't – remember, nobody even came back at first. It was like five guys that were in town, guys were waiting. Some guys said, we really haven't been doing anything. We've just been resting. And it's – listen, if, it, if that strategy would have worked, then every team would be like, man, we should have just really rested the horses. I saw other teams, even Tampa, they went through their little COVID problem there. But they were on the ice, seven, eight, nine guys before phase one even started, and they were getting after it. And I just feel that the Blues were maybe a little late to the dance. And then even once they got to the dance, they didn't treat it very seriously. And it's really, really hard to just flick the switch ordinarily. Imagine now coming out of the pause and doing all that stuff. I just think if there's one thing that as a coaching staff and as a leadership group for the Blues they should have approached all of it with more intensity in order to almost fake it, fool yourself into being intense at that time, even though the games might mean squat at the end, but maybe they did. Now you look at, now you end up with the Vancouver matchup, which wasn't a great matchup for the blues. Maybe a Calgary flames matchup would have been better. Had they beaten Dallas, they would have gotten Calgary. And Calgary was minus Matthew Kachuk for almost the whole series. Like, Maybe that would have been better. So maybe
0: it was important that they win a game right. in the round, robin
2: yeah.
0: I, I want to I ask you specifically about the play of Colton Pareko. Um, he is somebody that, obviously, the Blues don't win the Cup without him last year. Mm-hmm. He's an incredible young player, but it definitely looked like there were times, um, kind of almost to the extent of what you were saying with Vince Dunn, where there would be the easy play, but somehow he would make it way more difficult than it needed to be. Am I reading that wrong? Did he not have a great series?
2: Oh, he didn't have a great series, and I love the guy so much. He's such an awesome guy, and he epitomizes really what you want your defenseman to be like, especially a young D-man. Look, I think there's a lot going on there. I think that the, the talk of Alex Petrangelo being an unrestricted free agent, guess what? Every single person has said, well, they got Pareko. Well, they got Pareko, right? And I've said this for a long time, guys. Colton Pareko is not Alex Petrangelo. Yeah, he's you just young. You once about it? Yeah, I did. I probably did a little <laughs> yeah. bit. Yeah. but he's not. And so when you look at the the pressure mounting on this young man, knowing that the series wasn't going great for the team, and now all eyeballs turned to Colton Pareko. Hey, he's our stud defenseman. He'll shut down Pedersen. He'll shut down so and so. It wasn't happening, and he he didn't have Jay Beameister as much as we think that Marco Scandella was great and fit in good he did but he wasn't quite the same per- player either when he came back whether that's a combination of him and Pareco not meshing well maybe the stress of it maybe not doing enough in the break whatever it is it wasn't the same dynamic so and also too let's not forget guys it it is assumed that Colton Pareco uh, battled covid okay He was unfit to play for a certain number of days and then all of a sudden was back in full tilt to never miss again. Which tells that's not a high ankle. That's not a high ankle. It's not a groin injury. It's not a pinky that, you know, got slashed. We can only assume that it's COVID. And if you do that, you look at his play, you look at Vince Dunn's play, you look at and you go, Wow. Maybe there's a little more to this medically. Maybe there is. And the number one thing they talk about is the breathing. Mm-hmm. right? It settles in the lungs. And Listen, I'm no doctor. Trust me. I did stay at a Holiday Inn one time.
1: Yeah, you did. That's but right. But it, yeah.
2: it doesn't qualify me yeah. to be a doctor. However, I did see physical traits uh, of these guys not being the same right away. And maybe that was part of it, too. So I don't know. Wow. And then if there's two of them that had it, who knows if the others might have
1: had it. Well, we do people who didn't play up to snuff. Yeah, we, know that, I know that's an easy excuse to throw. No, out no. There. I Look, guess... this is why they actually play the games because any NHL team can beat any NHL, any NHL team <laughs> at any given time. And I, Remind th- me to say that different next
0: time. <laughs> well, and I think one of the, the or just don't say it. Not yeah, good parts about this because it's not good. But I think one of the great things about the NHL that is vastly underappreciated, and even by me who's a fan of it, man, the parity in the league is pretty friggin' good. Yeah, there's a yeah, lot of yeah. freaking really good teams, and you know what? There's a lot of fun teams to watch, so if you're not bringing the A-game, there's a great chance you're going to get your ass handed right to you, and that's kind of what happened to the Blues. Tell me why I should not be concerned about the future of Vladimir Tarasenko yeah. as a player.
2: Yeah, go ahead.
0: I I mean, at this point... You're asking Jeff, right? (laughs) I mean, at this point, okay, and and I'm just going to throw this out there. I know that there has not... But so, in the past, we have heard issues about him not being in the best of shape, all right? And then maybe sometimes pouting when he is not put in the best position that he likes to be in. Then on top of that, you've got two major surgeries on the same shoulder. I mean... What can we really expect of this guy going forward? And holy smokes, homeboy makes a bejesus ton of money and is a big part of the team going forward. So this, to me, seems like, and I know Petro is the issue of the offseason, but this, to me, seems like that this could be sort of right behind it and how the Blues handle this or find out what the hell's going on.
2: Yeah, look, it's not easy to figure out, that's for sure. Now, as far as the money goes, he's actually a deal. He's actually a deal when you look at his contract. He's 7.5 million on the books. Austin Matthews is 13 million. Mitch Marner is 13 million, right? Okay. So, when you take into consideration that you have a point of game guy or in that neighborhood, 7.5 it's not really hurting you that much. Honestly, if you do if you look across the league, there are guys that don't do as well or don't score as well as Vladdy and they're making almost twice as much. So, I think his contract now at this point of the contract Is somewhat team friendly. That being said, yeah, I don't know where you go from here. And I guess you have to figure out how serious the the shoulder injury is. And then, yeah, you have a busy offseason. You're Doug Armstrong. You have some major decisions to make here. You've got two goaltenders. Your number one finished on a low note. Your number 2 goalie finished on a high note. And says he wants to come back. Says he wants... Well, per his dad. Per his dad. Per his dad. dad Well, my dad said so. Dad may have been into the cough syrup. You never know, okay? (laughs) But per his dad, would like to come back. You have Vince Dunn. That's a young, restricted free agent. So odds are you're qualifying him, and you'll do the arbitration thing. And worst-case scenario, you do like you did with Joel Edmondson. You go to arbitration... You settle on a number and you either keep them or you trade them at that point. Uh, and then you have, you know, Alex Petrangelo and Vladdy Tarasenko and Alexander Steen. You have a lot of question marks right now. And I don't mean as players, just as the GM, you have to think about what direction are we ultimately going to go in here? Because I think, I could be wrong, I think they have to get a little faster. I just think that watching the games right now, and again, it's tough to create a real evaluation because that wasn't the real blues that we saw here. But I do think overall they have to get a little faster. And when you put Cairo in the lineup specifically because he's fast, put McKenzie McEachern into a role specifically because he's fast, then you're kind of telling the rest of the NHL, we need to get faster. And so it would be interesting to see what Doug Armstrong does. And, yeah, per Tarasenko, if – If he gets healthy and somebody will give you a good deal on it or you can mop up the floor with a Jake Allen Tarasenko package deal for something, I think Doug Armstrong has to look at it. Is that his first thing he's looking at when he goes into the the GM's office? No. Right now he's trying to figure out how do I keep my captain? Can I keep my captain? How do I keep Vince Dunn motivated here? How do I get my team back to the Stanley Cup?
1: All right, so it's the day after or two days after or whatever, so it's very, very early to start this, but I'll be the one to start it. What do you think the timeline is on Petrangelo?
2: Well, he has quite a while. Right. He has got quite a while before unrestricted free agency. I think he's got until, what, September or October 1st? Oh, God. I think. I think that's what Heck, it might even be October 8th. I don't know. It's kind of like been moving back and forth. The reason why I ask this is you've
1: planted in our heads before that. It's not like they were watching the playoffs and the playoffs are over. Now they go, okay, let's see who we need to sign. They've at least been thinking and working. And and here's what we're going to do in this scenario. This is what we'll do in this scenario. But how long do you think that'll take? And is it, is it better
2: for him or them if they take longer? Or does that not matter? Um,
1: Because I guess
2: nothing until... It's a lot of different strategies that can be applied here. And are you really thinking strategy at this point? I, I truly think the Blues have a number in mind and a term in mind that they're willing to do. I don't think this is tough. I think the Blues come to the table and go, here's our offer. Like, here's what we're thinking. And Petro either says yes or no. If it's no, maybe there's a little bit of wiggle room. But if not, then it's – unfortunately, it's over.
0: Yeah. Because even though we are talking about Alex Petrangelo, someone that we love, someone that is our captain, we cannot put ourselves in a position of overpaying and maybe paying – too much are, are, are going a couple of years longer than we need to or a little bit because we just don't have that financial flexibility to be able to do that sort of thing, right?
2: Yeah, you'd have to make sure that the contract is is team-friendly. And, and the, the way I look at that is, yeah, maybe you overpay Alex Petrangelo for the first three years of this deal, and then it tapers down to where, you know, your average overall is like a 75 And you can handle that over the course of the contract, and maybe you're paying him 11 the first couple of years, and it works its way down to five in the tail end of the contract, and you find a middle somewhere in there that's below what he should be actually being paid. But you don't know what the term is. I think Petro wants a seven- or an eight-year deal. I really do. And he's 30. He just turned 30. He's getting better all the time. And after the pause, I still think he was one of the best defensemen uh, on on the Blues team and really consistently throughout the playoffs. He was the guy that if he didn't carry it out there, then nobody was.
0: So if you're the GM and he's asking for seven or eight, are you, are you in on that conversation?
2: Um, I think if I'm the GM, I'm starting with five with him and just saying, you know, basically your wiggle room is you can work me up to six, but five is my magic number. So how do we get to a good salary cap hit in five years? How do we financially make sure that you're happy with this deal? Now, you may, to go five years, you may have to overpay. You may have to give him $12 million in the first two years. And then, you know, lower it down to seven over the last three years, or whatever it is, to make it so that it's worth his while, so that overall money ends up being pretty close to what he'd have uh, as it is. But if Petra wants that seven year deal, that's why I think six is the sweet spot. Mm -hmm. I think, I think Petra would come down to six. And if the blues would come up to six years, I think there's a marriage to be had there. Um, but it's going to be interesting. Like, do you know how many teams are looking for a number one defenseman? I was
0: just getting ready to ask. Most I mean, of them. It, 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 <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> I mean, is is a team like Toronto going to throw down nah. eight years? And well, they don't probably don't have the money. They don't have the cap space. That's unless, right.
2: unless, unless this gets crazy here. Okay, unless you make a bunch of movements as the Blues and you try to orchestrate a trade before the, the restricted, unrestricted free agency hits, and you trade with Toronto and they send. One of their big scorers back this way. Maybe a William Nylander comes back in the deal to the St. Louis Blues and Petro goes up there and it's almost a wash for money then. Yeah, that's maybe the only way Toronto gets a player like Alex Petrangelo. All right. I, I just, I don't know if that makes me feel better or worse about the situation. Well,
0: here, I'm going to say this. Makes me feel worse okay. <laughs> for, for one, and you I. You're just
1: bringing the truth. Aren't well,
0: and you? I think for two, but but seriously, a point that I that I absolutely wanted to make before we were done, and whenever that is here, this is not the blues of five years ago or ten years ago. There is a different team here. Yeah, I look forward to this team. Getting run the way they did, coming back next year going, oh, sons of bitches, we got some stuff to prove because I think this is a team that can take that ball and go with it. Obviously, there's lots of things between here and there that we got to get to, but I feel like this is a Blues team that can respond and can continue to be good and that maybe this was a bit of an anomaly. You know, I, mean, I don't have that's the, not the right word, but, you know,
1: I don't have the desperation as a blues fan as I, and I did in the past. I know that they can overcome something like this. They got to move around a few pieces. There's still a decent core there that they can work with. And like you said, I think they're being run better now, too. So their the future is still bright. I
0: just couldn't get so. mad. Like, I just some got their ass
1: slapped as all we did. Yes,
0: yeah. I, I just couldn't get as mad as everybody as some of the people on Twitter on Friday. Like. The last year and a half of hockey had been some of the most fun sports memories that I'd ever had.
2: Yeah, yeah. and Agreed. it was just some... on Twitter. I was like, guys, come on. Yeah, yeah. man. A typical like, Blues, you... really? That, yeah, that, that's, that's right, real oh, Blues. Yeah. Right. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, just gosh. another Blues disappointing season. You're right, because we weren't hammered this time last year, right. celebrating yeah. with the Stanley <laughs> Cup, right? Like <laughs> I may
1: have come home with less clothes on than I left the house with last year at this time, and that's <laughs> pretty hard for you to do, right? You know, that was two years ago. Never mind. Yeah,
2: it's all a blur.
0: <laughs> well, uh, gentlemen, do we got anything? else that we want to touch on before uh, we're the on? one thing
2: i just want to touch on yeah. is you guys mentioned how you know the way this team is run now and this culture that's been created right if you lose alex petrangelo you're taking a piece of that culture out hundred percent what people don't realize is he's a unique personality i personally he's a good friend of mine and i really enjoy him and we've done a lot of work together on the ice and talk a lot but he's a leader He's he, everybody always talks about Ryan O'Reilly putting in the extra work, the extra work guys. It's been unknown for years, but Alex Petrangelo does the same stuff. He's on the ice all the time. He's in the gym. He's always the top guy in the fitness testing in every category. And he doesn't take crap from anybody. You can't bring your C game to the rink. You're going to hear about it. And it's not like he's a big bad dog in the yard, but he barks and Mm -hmm. you're going to know where you stand. And so I think that part of what you've built here is sitting right there in number 27, and I think we have to proceed very cautiously here, making sure that you don't chip away at that culture too much to where now two years you're working at trying to get it back.
0: Boy, because because then... I mean, we're talking about, and I'm not going to start getting worse case, but I mean, if you lose a Petro and then you've got maybe Steen with some health issues or or maybe he isn't 100%. I mean, then you got, you know, two guys in the locker room that were absolutely uh, and, gigantic parts going forward. Schwartz.
2: he has got one year left on his deal. They're going to have to buck up or trade him. Um, you know, so now you're down to your two top guys up front are Shannon O'Reilly. Tarasenko's a question mark. Pareko still a young, up and coming guy. He's accepting a lot more responsibility, but you see where I'm headed here, right? Like we have to be very, very careful that we don't end up like we were six years ago, right? Ain't gonna happen. There's
1: too much positive going on right now. That's the way, and we don't have to wait a long time. Was it December?
2: Yeah, I don't know. They're it, it keeps, like, move. they're moving it around. I think it's, a, as they say, Jeff, it's a fluid
0: situation. It's a fluid
2: situation. All I right. think they do have, like, a hard deadline, but I don't know. I, I haven't been paying attention. I thought we'd still be playing.
0: <laughs>
2: I really thought after yeah, this conversation yeah. today
0: I was going to feel better. No. Nah, I don't. Not so much. I, 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 I really. <laughs> I, I, Sorry, Donnie. <laughs> I, I, really, I really don't. I, I think, I, I. you know, man, I, I just, uh,
1: I don't know. It's funny that the success from last year and then the success of everything before pre shutdown, it just goes to show you what a slap in the face this is when you come back down to earth. Because well, we're all riding high with the defending Stanley Cup champions, and I'm doing blue notes before the broadcast. Going oh, this Vancouver team, you know, and this
0: all this other BS. Let me tell you, let me tell you how stupid yeah, way I am, Jeff. La- last Thanks, podcast man. that we did. In this room, the very last one, the Blues were in Markstrom's head. Wrong. The Blues were going to win the series. Wrong. Uh, the, the the Blues were in Vancouver's head. Wrong. I'm going to stop watching sports. I said, welcome
2: to hell, Vancouver. <laughs>
0: <That's> right. <laughs> Wrong.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: my God. Okay,
2: so before we go, just real quickly, who uh, has your heart in the playoffs now? Okay, so I'm going to talk about this today on our show. I have officially adopted a team. Okay, the, the obvious choice, you'd think, is that... Oh, the Lightning, you know, Pat Maroon, the big rig. Let's go get him another Stanley Cup. I am cheering for Tampa in the East. The Vegas Golden Knights are my team. Reavers! Reaver and Stasny. And, you know, a lot of that team is still the land of misfit toys, right? They got picked up in the expansion. You know, Marcia So is still scoring goals. and, And Nate Schmidt and... You've got the McNabb on D. Like, all these guys that were just discard. Alex Tuck. Like, people are like, who the hell is this guy? Right, <laughs> yeah. And he's, like, dominating. And I just, I love the way they play physical hockey. Last night was just a schoolyard beatdown. And I just, there's something about that team. And with Paul Stasny and Revo being there, those are two. One, Paul Stasny, St. Louis-born kid. Absolutely. And Revo is a St. Louis Blues for a long time. Let's see these guys get their cup ring. So I'm, I'm okay adopting Vegas. Yeah,
1: I am as well. And if you want to be entertained, last night, Reeves and Roussel. Roussel. Oh, go, go to Twitter. See that? Yeah. Okay, okay. Oh wasn't
2: he giving a bock, bock? Yeah, yeah, he's giving him the chicken. So remember our last podcast I'm talking about? I'm like, this is a guy that now is like NHL 2020 tough guy, yeah, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, Ryan Reeves is still a tough guy from the past. Uh-huh. And, like an actual tough guy. Yeah. And so where was Roussel and all this, right? He was so rattled. He took a 10 minute misconduct on purpose so that he wouldn't have to be out there against Reeves anymore. Went over and poked him and then hugged him? Yeah, he was like, just please, referee, throw me out of the game so this guy doesn't bash my face oh, in. Wow,
1: and then Reeves is over there waving at him. Waving and oh giving him kisses. When's their next game?
2: Is it tomorrow night? Tomorrow night. They got. I'll tell you what they gotta do. They gotta get that off of the 9.30 yeah. start. They've gotta get that down to a 7. Reeves that is game, prime
1: time, baby. That, what I said Reeves is prime time. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, as always, this is fun. I can't wait to do it again and have more uh, hockey to talk about. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Jamie Rivers. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And as always, know will will to be until December. Let's go, Blues. The Last Minute Blues podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.
1: Peloton, let's go. This
2: holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors.
1: We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season.